0: Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KTCG. Nice to uh, be with you here on this Thursday coming up on uh, today's program. Look at some uh, interesting headlines. The uh, flu onslaught continues. Uh, they're running out of space in certain hotels. Los Angeles is having problems uh, with homelessness. It's amazing when you look at some of the numbers. And also we're going to take a look at uh, taxes. It's going to be tax time. Is there a better system than the uh, taxes? There may be. And we've got some information uh, on that. That and more coming up on this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live. Today's Thursday, and this is 101.3 KPCG, and uh, we're online too, kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com. I'm Dwight Falk. Grant Turgeon is here today, and if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcg.fm. Any comments you have, you can send those along to comments at kpcg.fm. Whether it be for our program or for other programming here in KPCG, we will send it on to the right people. We're not going to hide anybody's emails. Yeah. We're, not, we're not
0: hiding emails here. Everyone deserves to know the wonderful comments that are sent in to their shows. That's right. There, there's no email scandal the comments <laughs> at
1: kbcg.fm. We will pass those uh, comments on. So uh, some headlines to talk about today including a little later uh, we're going to look at some <laughs> it's an interesting story about some uh, taxes just uh, that are going on and uh, uh, of course it's tax time and you have to pay your taxes that's uh, and, and there's a benefit to that of course but the system's pretty complicated at times and, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a, it's a quite an elaborate system and we have some more information about that and then we're going to take a look at what uh, what uh, God's laws are in r- relation to uh, finance and so forth When it comes to taxes, but uh, I'm done with mine. Finished them and filed them, and uh, I am got that done. So, how about yourself? You done with those? Me too, but I had a lot of help, so that was good. As long as you get them (laughs) done the right way, whether you know you, I usually just do uh, like online, like TurboTax or something like Mm -hmm. that. That usually it's a lot easier than the old getting out all the papers and filling stuff in. They, they remember all my information,
0: so it saves Good. me a lot of time. You know, They remember everything from last year. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice uh, when it actually works out that you get a refund. I'm sure for some people it doesn't always happen, especially because of like the Obamacare penalty and things like that. But anytime you can get just a chunk of cash put into your bank account, it makes all the paperwork worthwhile. Nobody's upset with that. No. Nobody's upset with that. Uh, so anyway, we've got some more information
1: about uh, taxes uh, coming up here in a bit. Uh, one of the uh, top stories today is just the results, I guess, of the how many people viewed the State of the Union Address. It was nearly 46 million viewers, which is pretty good. They watched the President Trump's State of the Union Address. That's the most watched one since 2010. In terms of the uh, social nature of the address, so they now they measure how much social engagement is happening online with different events as well. So they're kind of looking at how many people watched it and then how many people were tweeting about it or or so forth. And uh, it was the number one most social program uh, there uh, on the day. There were 21 million total interactions across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter about the State of the Union 2018. Instagram? Take a picture of yourself <laughs> watching it. Hey, look at me, guys. Uh, <laughs> of the 21 million total interactions measured... 41% occurred on Facebook, 7% occurred on Instagram, 52% occurred on Twitter by real actual Twitter users, I'm assuming, not these, <laughs> not these fake friends that are out there. So uh, a lot of people were engaged with it, and it, despite the fact that many in the, in the liberal media were pretty negative about it, uh, most people, 75%, I believe, the number I saw, actually thought it was a pretty good speech.
0: Yeah, he did really well in terms of... Uh Relating to a large amount of the audience, uh, conversely, the Democrats had six separate rebuttals, which I saw an article that actually showed how, well, I think it was back like five or six years ago when President Obama gave a State of the Union address, there were two GOP rebuttals and everyone seized on that to talk about how divided the Republican Party was. Well, this time there were six from the Democrats. Are we going to hear the media also talking about how divided the Democrats are because they can't come up with one solid rebuttal.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a lot of rebuttals. <laughs> who's got Who's got time for all the rebuttals? You know, I, the, the best way probably to do a rebuttal in the current climate is just to make you know repeat a
0: statement that was said and then just go really. <laughs>
1: and people, you know, they can take people it however it they time. want. Yeah.
0: People do that all the time now. Uh, was it you or Rush Limbaugh who said? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. No, people don't ask me that very often. <laughs> Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was either you or him who said uh, something about uh, Bernie Sanders' rebuttal cutting out partway through, and it was like a classic picture of socialism in action. Oh, that, was, that must have been Rush, because that yeah. was not me. Well, no. you, you could have said it. You're similarly <laughs> b- brilliant to him. Oh, well, thank you.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah so they, <laughs> they, uh, there's all kinds of interesting uh, situations. And I guess Bernie Sanders is, well, I mean, he's supposed to be sort of an independent but he ran as a Democrat, I guess. And now he's back to being an independent. He's back to being an independent. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's uh, it's always interesting. It's interesting when you go back in history and you read about some of the early politics in the U.S. and they talk about the Whig Party (laughs) and these different parties. You know, we've all grown up with basically Democrat and Republican, and, you know, you tend to think, well, that's all there is. That's all there could be. People make new parties. I mean, Mm -hmm. it happens. It happened. The Republican Party came out of the, sort of the death of the Whig Party, and then they... Pulled in different factions, and they made that party. So, I mean, maybe Bernie Sanders will get his his thing going. I don't know what they'd call it. <laughs> I think the Whig Party sounded kind of cool myself, but maybe that, bring it back.
0: That's what's so difficult about uh, reading some of that history. Sometimes the, the explanation of like what the different parties stood for isn't always there. Like you kind of just have to know going into it what the Whigs were, uh, or they're not always just going to tell you. Uh, so that's that's kind of difficult sometimes to keep up with.
1: Yeah, they had the same a lot of the same issues that we deal with today. Immigration was an issue. Uh, well, in their case, slavery was an issue. We're not dealing with that today, despite what some people would say. <laughs> um, and so, similar problems. And you know, they try different different solutions, but so far, we haven't been able to sort it all out. Um, as you are well aware, the the uh, flu is uh, pretty bad. Um, I think everybody either has had it or knows somebody that has had it or does have it. It's pretty serious. And it continues to be this this onslaught. The Wall Street Journal says to deal with a flu onslaught, emergency rooms expand into waiting rooms because the emergency rooms are full and and the uh, regular rooms, I guess, are full and they're just overfilled. And so they're just having to kind of put people wherever they can. And then some some hospitals have made rules where if you're 14 and under, you can't go visit somebody with the flu because typically at that age, you're more susceptible to getting it and carrying it. So uh, they're they're putting certain um, rules in place. The worst U.S. flu season in almost a decade has forced hospitals to try to find extra space to treat patients. So uh, pretty difficult situation there, and um, hopefully uh, our listeners haven't been
0: affected too much by it, but it's certainly going around. That's really extreme to have hospitals, which normally uh, have a lot more room than they need, you would think, actually having to have overflow treatment. It just shows you how bad the flu is this year. Um, Who knows what what might be the cause of that, possibly the weather changing every day from freezing cold to actually pretty warm and then going back and forth. That could be messing up uh, certain people's uh, way of dealing with the weather, I guess. Um, But then again, I mean, every year around this time, you know, the issue of quarantine comes up, people getting sick and then still going where they go and not trying to isolate themselves could also cause some issues.
1: Yeah, there's, there's these different strains that pop up, and the dominant strain this season is H3N2. They, they always give it uh, interesting names, ones that are hard to remember. Uh, visits to hospital emergency departments, urgent care centers, and other outpatient clinics by people with flu symptoms have been skyrocketing for several weeks. You know, they did think that maybe it was on its way out, but... Now it seems like it just keeps increasing the number of people affected. As of mid-January, such visits to hospitals had surpassed every flu season except for 2009 and 10, when a new flu strain caused a global pandemic. Uh, But the H3N2 is a particularly uh, bad strain this year, and the vaccines that they have are not very uh, effective against it. So uh, for those who went out and got their shots or whatever, sorry about that. Uh, New York City Health and Hospitals has seen a 40% increase in the number of people being tested for the flu compared uh, with this time last year. I don't know. Do you need a test? I think it's usually pretty obvious. Like, I I think I got something going on here. But uh, anyway, people are getting tested, and uh, they're being overcrowded, too. And there's been stories about that in in different hospitals around the country. So uh, if you don't have to
0: go to one of those places, you know, it's best to avoid it because everybody there has the flu. Yeah, that's always a question too, isn't it? Uh when when a disease comes up and everyone's going to the hospital, maybe just maybe just try to find some natural remedies instead of uh getting dealt with that way. Especially especially with doctors, the best thing that they can do normally is like setting a bone back in place, but when it gets to doling out pills or injecting you, that's not always the best choice.
1: Yeah, it's a difficulty, I think, uh especially when people have Kids, you know that, and if it gets serious, and they have to kind of look at it. But um, yeah, pretty much you just wait it out. I mean, that's I don't know. They don't have like a cure for it, for it or anything. They keep no. people hydrated and try to try to just monitor things and monitor fevers and so forth. But anyway, it's bad flu season. I'd like to see it end and get out of here, but it, it continues to be a, sort of an ongoing thing. So um, they're running out of room at some of those hospitals. And then, like we talked about yesterday, there's fear that at the Super Bowl. Uh, there in Minnesota, it'll just be a petri dish <laughs> for the flu because, uh, you know, there's going to be so many people crammed in there, and, you know, is everybody going to be healthy? Eh, maybe not, so we'll see what happens there, too.
0: Right, it's so cold up there. I mean, that's the perfect weather. That's when flus come up, isn't it? When when it's winter and it's freezing cold. doesn't get much colder than what you have in Minnesota, so that, that adds to it as well.
1: Yeah, there's some warnings of... uh potential frostbite, I guess. So I guess it is going to be pretty
0: cold up there. You you got that Tom Brady book, right, on uh, how to TB12 or whatever? I tried, and they didn't even send it to me. It oh, got, really? It got stuck out in California. So uh, maybe, I just had to get a refund. Huh. Yeah. Maybe got the flu. It didn't work out. <laughs> so you
1: mean to tell me the book you bought from Tom Brady got intercepted? Yes. <laughs> It's his first interception he's ever thrown, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there is a story about he's got he talks about his uh what he does try to stay healthy. People are looking at him because he's pretty phenomenal, forty years old, still playing quarterback at a high level. But uh there's some reports that he talks about hydration in there and they're saying that if people tried to follow that it would kill most people. <laughs> like it's too much. You can only take so much liquid into your body, but So he's advocating like this super hydration, and some people are warning against it. So I didn't want you to be like drowning internally from (laughs) trying to drink like, you know,
0: barrels of water a day. Yeah. Does anyone know exactly how much he uh, advocates drinking? Uh, I forget. I read the- Like 27 cups or something It's a
1: lot. It is a lot. I think he kind of looks at like, you know, your body weight and then tries to face some sort Mm. of equation there. But it's a lot. I mean, normally we hear, what, eight? glasses a day—that's sort of the yeah. the golden standard we always hear about. I don't know all the you know whether that's exactly right, but he's advocating a lot more. And they say the difficulty is that it you know your body can't process that much liquid, and then uh, I forget all the science behind it, but uh, the sodium levels get off, and it could actually cause stroke and other things. I mean, I have heard of people drinking too much liquid, and I'm not talking like alcohol. I mean mm. water, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and really hurting themselves. It's pretty rare. But it it could happen now he's a high level athlete, so you know maybe for him it's different. I don't know, but anyway, just
0: maybe maybe something to think about and be careful with. It's probably one of those things where you would have to ramp up how much water you're drinking and not just one day decide to drink twenty seven glasses of water uh If you do that i don't think I don't think it would go too well for anybody who is not already at that level physically.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's even, um, I remember years ago hearing about how much Michael Phelps ate, the Olympic swimmer. Yeah. You know, and he is such a high-level athlete that he needed all that intake, I guess. But if Joe Average, like myself, ate that, <laughs> well, I'd, probably, I'd be dead <laughs> or huge. I mean, one or the other, because he was just burning so many calories because mm-hmm. of how much he was swimming. So we all look at these athletes and think, oh, I wonder what they're doing, but sometimes what they're doing is not for the commoner.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's that's why it's so difficult to uh come up with what, like one concrete plan uh for pursuing health because every person's body is different. Every person is at a diff- different level of fitness or they might have a certain intolerance to certain things that other people can can handle perfectly fine. Uh it really does take a lot of trial and error. Hopefully not uh error big enough to die from.
1: Right. Yeah, so all kinds of ideas out there about fitness and health, and you just have to, uh, you know, go with the biblical principles. There moderation in all things and healthy eating and and, uh, and that. Um, we talked a while ago about the, the homelessness out there in Los Angeles. And they're having just some real problems across the board, fires, et cetera. This is from the LA Times. It says, LA's homelessness surged 75% in six years. Think about that. They say, here's why the crisis has been decades in the making. They say the number of those living in the streets and shelters of the city of Los Angeles and most of the county surged 75% to roughly 55,000 people in the last six years. That includes Glendale, Pasadena, Long Beach, and others that conducted their own homeless counts. Uh, the total is nearly 58,000. 58,000 homeless people in the Los Angeles area. That's a that's a good sized city, you know, fifty eight thousand. Um, I don't know. I know Edmonds growing. I don't know exactly what the size of the city is, but it's it couldn't be too much more than that. I wouldn't think if you just look at the Edmond limits. Um, but anyway, I mean, you can all think of different towns you've been in over the years, and if you go into a town there's fifty eight thousand, that's a pretty good little town. And that's just the homeless people in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, where do they all go? Where where do they all uh, live and sleep? How do they how do they all survive when there's so many of them? I mean. Do they all have to beg or forage, or how does it even work? I mean, it's just hard to even comprehend that big of a number.
1: Yeah, it's they give a few details here in this write-up. It says three out of the four homeless people have about 41,000. They're living in cars, campers, tents, and lean-tos,
0: so they have mm. some sort of temporary shelter, I guess. That's different from what we normally think of right. when we think of homeless people. But, but there are yeah.
1: a lot on, on the streets, too, yeah. or they have these these encampments that are causing problems. It's says, by far the biggest single group of unsheltered people in any U.S. city. If you if you took out Los Angeles, national homelessness would have dropped last year for the first time since the recession. So across the country, it has gone down, but L.A. has gone up so much that the, the national figures haven't gone down. During an October hygiene survey, <laughs> you get hygiene survey. <laughs> it would be interesting to get one of those. Here's a hygiene survey for you. <laughs> County public health officials identified 222 encampments, including 50 with 30 or more people living in them. Uh, these ragtag outposts have altered the basic terms of urban urban life. So if you're kind of roaming about there in L.A., you'd have a chance to come upon one of these 222 encampments where you have 30 to 50 people living sort of just together in this communal homeless uh Environment, um, you can think of all the different issues. It says people in um, Koreatown step outside their fancy condos to find tents, rotting food, human feces at their doorsteps. Buses and trains have become de facto shelters, and thousands of people sleep in fear and degradation. You're paying a lot of money to be in this nice condo. You come out and you find the remains of basically a small village on your front step.
0: Wow, what a what a contrast, isn't isn't it, from uh, those who are rich or pretty well off to those who just have nothing? And the question has to come up: Why are they all going to L.A.? Are there policies in place that make it easier for them to be there? Obviously, the weather is pretty nice, which helps. But uh, if cities actually had any sort of regulation, you would you would think that. Uh, A lot of these homeless people would find some other alternative.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. That leads exactly into what what this article mentions, the the reason this is becoming such an issue. It says, in the late 1990s and 2000s, downtown Los Angeles began its spectacular turnaround from a dark wasteland to a vibrant residential and entertainment hub. Pressure grew for the city to clean up Skid Row. Police chief of the time, William J. Bratton, in 2006, unleashed his broken windows campaign, issuing thousands of tickets to homeless people for minor offenses. This is similar to what Rudy Giuliani did in New York. Like jaywalking and throwing out cigarette butts. The streets cleared. Wouldn't you know it? But the homeless people, uh, well, some were arrested and they kind of bounced around but what happened is uh, the county adopted a $100 million homelessness plan to build five regional homeless shelters, but a year later shelved it in the face of protests. So people didn't want those. They were trying to kind of get things going. Federal courts repeatedly upheld civil rights challenges to the city's cracking down on homeless people without providing shelter space. So in 2006, the city settled litigation by signing the Jones Agreement which allowed homeless people to sleep overnight on sidewalks. The agreement set the stage for today's encampment explosion. Westside Councilman Mike Bonin said, we are dealing with historical consequences of bad decisions made 10 years ago to guarantee a right to sidewalks instead of a right to shelter. So they had a pretty decent policy in place in terms of, we're going to get them on these small offenses and clear them out of here, and then try to provide some shelter space. And uh, that was scrapped. And so civil they have civil rights to be on sidewalks. So if you give people the civil right to live on a sidewalk, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to live on the sidewalk, and that's what they're
0: doing. That just shows how uh, short-sighted leaders can be sometimes. I mean, who, who would think uh, that they're in charge of a city and that it's going to be a good thing to uh, just have as many homeless people as possible on the sidewalks? If anyone's ever driven through L.A., uh, they can tell you it doesn't necessarily feel safe because there are a lot of just strangers hanging around on the sidewalk, whether they're living there or just they can be there whenever they feel like it. It's not a great environment. It doesn't help any sort of uh, city economy if if they're just going to be allowed to be there all the time. Uh, and yet they made this uh, they made this ruling instead of actually bu- continuing to build the shelters. It makes no sense at all. And this is LA Times, you know, and they,
1: but they even in the article point out that this is all happening under very, it's complete liberal leadership. The city boards, I mean, it's all, they're yeah. all liberals. And so they're allowing these things to happen, And but it's causing just so many problems. And, you know, all, like you said, who's going to want to go to Los Angeles or any of these cities when you know you're going to have to face that? Mm-hmm. I can think of quite a few... Bigger cities where there's certain things that might be a draw, they might be an attraction. But then on the other side, you have like the crime issues, which are a lot of times very much have to do with the homelessness issues. You know, like we, I went to Seattle recently. There's some neat places downtown, but you do keep a really close eyeball on your kids and keep them close to you because of all the homeless
0: people you're passing. Right. That's, that's really, uh, a tough situation that they've gotten themselves in now because you said that that jones act was from 12 years ago so they've been dealing with this for 12 years now that it's been a civil right for people to be on the sidewalks i'm sure under the guise of compassion liberal leadership wanting people to have uh, a civil right of some sort and yet weren't there fewer people living on the sidewalks when it wasn't allowed i mean didn't people find probably better situations, better places to live when they didn't have the sidewalk as an option. So it might have been well-intentioned even, but obviously that's not the best the best alternative for a lot of these homeless people.
1: No, it's a really tough deal and they do need to get some policies in place to try to fix it. And it's hard to do, especially in some cases people don't want to get off the streets. They'd rather just be out there, but you, you can imagine living in some of these uh, areas where you know they're they're camping out every day in front of your place. I mean, what about what about that person's rights <laughs> to have a clean, safe living environment they pay to live there? Right. And so, you know, you can imagine how nerve-wracking it would be to enter or exit that building, especially later at night. You wouldn't want to go out and do anything because mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, well, we got to get back before they set up their camp right because they and you know how it is i mean the if they're living on the streets and they're they're in a difficult situation uh now you start to have crime increase potential robberies on and on and on it goes so los angeles
0: has certainly uh had their fair share of curses well if there was some kind of penalty for this if if tenants or renters or homeowners could uh pay less because their property value is going down so much uh probably those those home ownership groups are going to Uh, do something about it to make sure that the homeless people move away from those areas. I mean, if if everyone is affected monetarily until the problem is fixed, the problem will get fixed because people care a lot about money. Yeah, it's really a bad deal out there. So interesting write-up if you want
1: to take the time to read the whole thing, gets into more details. It's from the LA Times. LA's homelessness surged 75% in six years. And uh, here's why the crisis has been decades in the making. And uh, so it's just amazing to me that, I don't know, I guess it has a lot to do with just the concentration of population on the coasts there, but that they keep the population keeps uh, voting in people that are putting in policies that are causing these things. So you'd think that would be pretty easy to attack and say, that we're going to change some policies here, but yet
0: a lot of those incumbents just stay in office. Yeah, that's, that's what's really... Uh, just perplexing about this they've been in office for so long and yet the fruits show that they're not leading in a in a sensible way uh, there has to be some sort of backlash when leaders put these sort of policies into place uh, it's everywhere everywhere you look in a city like that you see the problem right before your eyes everyone should notice it it's pretty obvious uh, why can't a new set of leaders uh, maybe try to fix it if these ones won't. I mean, you, you look at a place like Oklahoma City where we, we both go down there pretty regularly, and you can walk for miles and probably not find a single homeless person. You might stumble across one somehow, but he's definitely not allowed to just live out in the open. He's trying to find a place that's away from the more public spaces. And so it's definitely a more enjoyable place to be because you don't have to worry about a stranger maybe jumping you if there's no one else around.
1: Yep, it's a it's uh policies are not uh, helping things, that's for sure. Uh make sure you stop and check out the dot com today. Top story, uh this one's just there's some really just uh oh I don't know what you'd call them. I mean their their news stories are just they kinda get your blood boiling a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Top story The dot com. John Kerry enlists Palestinians in a war on President Trump. This is by Trumpet uh, daily uh, radio show host Stephen Fleury, former Secretary of State attacks current president more openly and so again you know you just you have to just kind of sit there and say well what what country are the leaders, some of these leaders, US leaders, what country are they for? Aren't you, aren't they supposedly elected? Well in his case he's not he's not doing anything <laughs> right now but I mean some of these leaders that are in office you think well what who, what nation are they for? They're, it's like they're for some sort of nation that doesn't exist some sort of globalist uh concoction of their own imagination that doesn't exist anywhere and they're representing it um and and they're not they do not have the best interests of the United States or our allies at
0: heart and it's infuriating well that was on display for everyone to see during the state of the union when the democrats sat during every positive point that president trump brought out things that it, you, it shouldn't matter what political party you're a part of. Everyone should be happy that there are more jobs. Everyone should be happy that uh, illegal immigration is being dealt with. Everyone should be happy that people are receiving a sizable tax cuts that make a huge difference in people's budgets. Uh, everyone should be happy about all the different people he pointed out who have... Uh, been examples of American ingenuity, American greatness, perseverance. uh, And yet the Democrats sat and frowned and slouched and scowled the entire uh, speech. Uh, It is almost like they don't understand why people are excited about those good things. They have a totally different uh, vision for the country. Uh, It's almost like they're living in a different universe.
1: Yeah, they really are. And it's you know, when you, when you really look at at some of these things, and and it's talked about a lot on the Trumpet Daily Radio Show today as well, you would think you would think voters would say, you know what, some of these leaders don't have our interests at heart. Well, we, they shouldn't be there, but yet somehow people continue to just, in some cases, vote. But it's interesting. We were talking earlier about this one particular video that's out there about this one politician making some outlandish statements, <clears throat> and and the thing that was interesting about it was the crowd's response just just bold faced lies sorry bald faced lies that's the correct term there <laughs> bald faced lies and and bold face lies yeah. and and the audience was just like whoa they were eating up everything that was being said and it was completely false completely false mm-hmm. and but it just shows that uh, in some cases there is just a complete lack of education as to what's actually happening or to what you know is actually going on what the truth of the matter is is probably the, maybe the better way to say it and, and if you have a very ignorant, willingly ignorant um, group of people, they'll go with anything. And they don't realize that the person that they're supporting doesn't doesn't even have their personal interests at heart.
0: Yeah. It, when the leaders are determined to lie and keep the people in ignorance as much as possible, uh, you have to be really diligent to find the truth. There was this other political commentator on one of the shows the other night, and she pointed out how her name means seeker of truth, yet she didn't say a single true thing the entire time she was on the show. I mean, just blatant, horrible lies, slander about the president, uh, just always talking about how it's great to put people into different, uh, racial and gender groups because then you learn more about your background, even though that is the definition of divisive and segregation right there. Uh, and, and yet she acted like she's just honestly wanted the truth. If people just watch that and they don't look into it for themselves, a lot of people are going to be duped by it.
1: Yeah. I mean, people that are out there, um, speaking untruths, they're not going to tell you that by the way, I'm about to <laughs> lie to you here. Of course they're going to sound convincing. So, uh, make sure you look at that article that a John Kerry enlists Palestinians in war and president Trump, uh, and, uh, Another feature that's really uh, good is uh, an interview with Israeli archaeologist Dr. Elat Mazar, that is uh, that uh, Trumpet Daily Radio Show host Stephen Flurry did there as well. So lots going on there in um, with that archaeological dig. That's exciting to hear about that. And there's also a new video on the Trumpet. Uh, why does God allow suffering? So that's a question people have a lot of times, and uh, you can get the answer there at the uh, Trumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily Radio Show today with your host, Stephen Fleury. He talks about the fact that there are two Americas, very divided. Uh, And he goes through and has a lot of great audio clips and and, uh, um, uh, quotes showing how the press protected President Obama when he was in office. And they just, quite frankly, lied for him. And that's come out recently where they had that picture of of former President Obama with uh, Louis Farrakhan, and they hid it for all these years, and now it's come out. And then that same press today is attacking President Trump, and they just lie about him. It's just, it's just lies, lies, lies. And you, you really have to listen to the show, I mean, because he puts it together very well, but also you can just hear their own words, the stuff people are saying. It's outrageous. The fact that these self-proclaimed uh, experts in the media can look at somebody thousands of miles away and diagnose everything about their mental health. It's
0: amazing that they can do that. Yeah, and that's actually directly against uh, the, the ethical standards of any psychologist to try to diagnose, diagnose someone's mental health without ever talking to that person directly, that's that's actually illegal. And yet they're doing it on the national news networks. It's just absolutely mind-boggling that people are doing that. And it is just for the sole purpose of undermining the leader of the country. I mean, that's, that's all they're doing it for. I mean, why didn't they cover the positive things that he said in that state of the union address. Uh, in fact, what they decided to cover instead was that there was this train that was, uh, chartered by some Republicans to go to some sort of retreat after the state of the union. And it hit a dump truck, but they, they said it's a GOP train. Like the GOP owns this train and they hit this guy in a dump truck. Uh, you know, where's their compassion? They, they try to just cover that story all day long. Like they meant it, steer the train into the dump truck, even though they weren't even the ones directing the train anyway. Right. I mean, that it's, it's just a classic case of misdirection, distracting people from the important issues. Uh, the really important subjects just aren't being covered because a lot of them are too positive and they want to just try to smear the president in any way they can.
1: Yeah, there's some really... <laughs> good audio clips here that prove the point on the Trump daily show when they have a couple of stories back to back of when the the press was outraged. Remember about the two scoops of ice cream versus one for other people. (laughs) And they were just incredulous about it. You have to hear it, you know, just, and he has two and everyone else gets one. (laughs) Like, (laughs) How can, I don't know how they did it with a straight face. I mean, that's, these are supposed to be very serious journalists and that's what
0: they're covering. That's the story. Well, yeah, they talk about that. They talk about how he loves cheeseburgers and diet Coke. But what would they imagine the response if he had tried illegal drugs in college or if he had been a smoker like the last president was and they thought it was cool when the last president was doing it, (laughs) they would freak out. They would say it's a health risk and probably that's why he's not in the right mental state. It's a totally different response. The exact same action done by two different people and yet they respond to it differently depending on who the person actually is. Yeah, you can spin
1: it every which way. But the the point brought out uh, in the Trumpet Daily, and it's a great point, is that America Under Attack, that's a book you can find at com. that attack hasn't stopped. It, it continues. And it w- it's all about lying. And it was lying in favor of the last administration. Now it's lying because they don't like this new administration. It, but it's both lies. They just did it different ways. And But it's still the same lying that's going on. And... and um, you know in some cases i think people are tired of it i think and and waking up to it but then some cases they're not
0: yeah and sometimes uh just occasionally i don't i can't do it too often but i will watch the entirety of one of these uh left-wing shows and just to hear if there's like, like any shred of truth in it and i mean there truly isn't it's just all about an agenda and just constant lies if anything good happens with this president, they, they skirt around the fringes of it, they make jokes about it, they ridicule something about what he looks like or what his wife was wearing at the State of Union, whatever it might be. And they don't ever, ever cover any of the positives. You would think you would think he's worse than Kim Jong un if you just watch these shows, which is why you, you really can't too much because it's almost like mental poison.
1: Yep. Lester Holt wasn't fooled though. He was fooled by North Korea, but not by, not by the U.S. That's just unbelievable. So you have to listen to that Trumpet Daily Radio show today if you haven't heard it. And, uh, and it's, it's available online, too, if you can't catch it live or with replays. You can find that at kpcg.fm or at the thetrumpet.com uh, as well. Uh, we want to talk today a little bit about taxes. Taxes are interesting. Not Texas. Taxes. <laughs> Texas <laughs> is also great. Yeah. Uh, taxes. It's, it, man has a pretty complex tax code. Uh, this is from the Seattle Times. Uh, Seattleites are making a run f- to the border for Coke, uh, Coca-Cola, that is. <laughs> you remember, they tax a soda in Seattle. So people are like, that's fine, we'll go somewhere else. Ahmed Mohammed's shop is the f- in the uh, farthest reaches of West Seattle is so small you can easily miss it. But he's nevertheless ground zero for Seattle's latest economic experiment. <laughs> so they like economic experiments. Mohammed runs West Seattle's uh, Haleo Market. It's a two-aisle store, so they're not kidding when they say clean up on aisle. Well, there's only two of them, so <laughs> one of them. <laughs> a two-aisle store specializing in meats and poultry, butchered according to Islamic rules. A few shelves in the middle of the store, though, are given over to a popular side product <clears throat> that, has now, that has his neighborhood, White Center, literally divided. Here is the precious fluid. Muhammad laughs, showing me around the store. He holds up a two-liter bottle of plastic uh, of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> he once sold it for two dollars and seventy-nine cents. Now it's four dollars—a forty-three percent increase. So people go across the road to the other store to buy it cheaper.
0: So he's, uh, I guess, being hurt hurt he by that. He is now? absolutely.
1: Okay. He's being hurt by it. This wow. uh, new tax on uh, sugary beverages, <clears throat> excuse me, went into effect on January the first. He says the customer they look at the price and they don't even talk to you. <laughs> they just walk away. Uh, and the article says, the reason is that a couple hundred feet away and around the corner of Southwest Roxbury Street is a Bartel Drugs. It's just 15 feet outside the city limits, and spelled out on its main marquee is one source of Mohammed's problem. It says, get your drinks here, no sugar tax. Oh. Customers, including immigrant kids who don't yet speak English, all seem familiar with white center's new dividing line so there's this dividing line this gentleman has a store there and he's losing this business and the reporter said to him well the the idea of the tax is you know not not to impact like you know somebody like yourself that owns a store and he just pointed and he said well why are they all over there then you know it's this this let's have a new tax on something well that's fine But then it hurts all these people down the line. It's just another example of a new policy now creating problems. Are people stopping the sugary drink uh, addictions? No, they're just going across the street and buying it there cheaper, and they're going to put this poor guy out of business.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he must have been so upset when that law was put into place because he is so close Mm -hmm. to being outside the city limits, and he can literally see his competitors thriving because they're not being hit like that. Do you think that shop owner is a liberal? when he's when he is literally just being uh burdened by a by a law like that.
1: Well, they did the same thing a few years ago in the same city where they uh, there was some rule about alcohol and they the prices were raising. So people just ran out of town and got their alcohol somewhere else and the drinking actually increased. Yeah. And but they just left city to go get it somewhere
0: else. So the more they try to implement these tax laws, the more problems that they have. That's true. I mean, that's how it that's how it always works. People they might, these leaders might think that it's helping people's health, but what they're really doing is they're making soda into like a delicacy where, oh, wow, this is like contraband. I have to go far and wide to actually get this, and I'm going to appreciate it even more, probably get it even more, because uh, it's actually pr- apparently quite valuable to have been taxed like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is funny how human nature works. If there's something you think
0: you can't get, yeah. you want to go get it. It's not having at all the effect that they might have hoped for. It's only hurting businesses, which is pretty much what every policy on the left does. (laughs) It's amazing. There's a a write-up at PCOG.org. It's uh, pretty
1: lengthy, but we're going to look at one aspect of it today. Uh, How to solve the world's economic catastrophe. And and the economy is improving a little bit here in the U.S., at least for a time. But overall, if you look at things, economies aren't aren't, uh, going the way that they should with all the debt and so forth. Uh, It says the problem is epic, but the solution is simple and this is by Joel Hilliker, and he draws heavily from uh, some writings by uh, Mr. Herbert Armstrong and talking about what what the economic system in God's world will be like. And it says, uh, many prophecies speak about the tremendous prosperity we will enjoy in the millennium, uh, the time after Christ returns. The foundation of that prosperity will be the ingenious economy designed by God based on the principle of love. And that gets back to the point. I mean, we the more man tries to make laws... Uh, the further away usually we get from God's laws and then the more complex and the more difficult things are and the worse the results it says uh, Mr. Armstrong wrote in God's kingdom commands of his will be obeyed they'll become the standard for regulating commerce business, finance and the entire economic structure of the world and all will be on the giving basis. The giving standard will be followed in God's rule on this earth. Not the grasping, conniving, striving, deceitful, clandestine, uh, scurrilous, devious cheating and lying <laughs> shit uh, that is uh, commonplace in today's business world. And he could have added a few more <laughs> <laughs> words because it's true, whether it's politics or business or whatever, you don't see a lot of giving, but you see a lot of taking.
0: Exactly. That's, that's sort of the modus operandi. It just always getting for oneself and it's important to remember that when we see these initiatives that are put into place where we think they might have the right intentions in mind uh human nature is always out for the self so even even sometimes when it looks like people are being benevolent it's not really the case
1: no it's not and like with a lot of the politicians too they talk about helping people but they want to help themselves first in, uh, votes Sure: Yeah, if I can get the votes. you know whatever base will support me, that's what I'll, I'll pander to. And it's, it's, so this write-up talks a lot about the economic structure as well, and it, it says, no taxes. You do have to pay your taxes today, by the way. <laughs> but we're talking about in the future. It says uh, today, government waste is epidemic, uh, not so in the world tomorrow, because of overarching uh, administration uh, at that time will be sphere of beings. Bureaucratic waste will be history, and there will be absolutely zero corruption. There will be no huge bureaus watching other bureaus. <laughs> A lot about the FBI today coming out, which are suspiciously watching other bureaus. <laughs> no military establishment, no intelligence spy agencies or members of uh, Interpol. No huge cartels, monopolies, unions, giant government spending. Take away losses through government price controls and overflooding flooding of markets. No more foreign aid. None of the wasted billions to buy allies who turn and uh, destroy us later. No more strings-attached government uh, grants to industry, to science, to space technology, to schools and institutions for research. When you get rid of all those things, and then you get God's tithing system, and get rid of the huge tax brackets,
0: all of a sudden the economy will truly boom, and America truly will be great again, and sustain it. That's a hot-button issue today as well. Every time you have a Democrat against a Republican in a debate, uh, the issue of, taxing always comes up and you have people on the left yelling about the 1% and how they need to pay their fair share of taxes when in reality they're already paying a higher percentage not just a higher amount of money but a higher percentage of their earnings as well Uh, the biblical standard is that you pay 10% and if you're rich your 10% is going to be a whole lot more money than the 10% of someone who is poor and so it, it always evens out everyone pays the same percentage it's not exactly the same amount. That's where um, these debates probably could use a lot more truth and not trying to deceive people into, into thinking that the rich don't pay any taxes because they definitely do.
1: Yeah, they absolutely do. And uh, But when you think about all the taxes that are real and hidden today, like the sugary drink tax, <laughs> that's another tax, you know. But you have property taxes. You have school taxes. You have all these different taxes. And in some cases, I mean, they are used to, to benefit certain things. But, again, it's a very inefficient system. And uh like even today it points out, you know, the nicer you make your property the more tax you have to pay on it. You know, you're actually penalized in a way for beautifying where you live. <laughs> yeah. It, it it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make as sense. Now I know they'd say, well, you know, we've got to keep your roads nice and so forth. But but still there's all of that and then of course you have social security taxes and that whole system is broken. Uh, and so this points out that there is going there's a much better way to do it in the future, which will be uh the tithing system, like you said, ten percent. Everybody pays the same. If you're a millionaire, if you're not a millionaire, (laughs) that 10% is 10%, and uh, and it will be used without all the waste and all the bribery and so forth. And then the economy really will boom, and you won't have all this, you know, people going across the street to buy something because it's half the price because the tax is higher across the other side of the street.
0: Yeah, there will not be any uh, restrictive regulations like that. And the reality is our taxes go to government programs and initiatives that just, frankly shouldn't even exist, That things that aren't even worth us wasting our money on, and yet we have to pay for it uh, because we don't have a choice. Uh, you can know for a fact that we'll be paying less taxes, if you could call it that, in the future, uh, but also it will be for much better causes. The money won't be wasted. The federal government won't have 3 million plus people who make inflated salaries that we also have to pay for. Uh, it, a lot of it will be simplified and you can, you can know that the money will be used honestly so that it actually goes a lot further than our money goes right now. We're giving more money now, but it's not doing much in the future. We'll give less money and it'll go a lot further.
1: Yeah. And you think about all the money that goes into even, uh, insurances and taxes and things that, I mean, in a way it is a tax for now yeah. anyway. Uh, here's some interesting, uh, statistics about income tax, um, And it's it's interesting to compare it to God's law, which is short to the point, but there's a lot of depth to it. Uh, How many words do you think uh, are in the U.S. tax code? Uh, (laughs) A couple million. 10.1 million words of U.S. tax code. I haven't read them all. Uh, (laughs) 2015, that's how many there were. And this includes about 2.41 million words of federal internal revenue code and a whopping... 7.66 7.66 million words of tax regulation. With the average uh, novel only around 64,000 words, the U.S. tax code could fill up more than 157 novels. Unbelievable. So if you've got that novel on your shelf that you've been meaning to get to, well, <laughs> there would be 157 of them, and that's the tax code in
0: the U.S. Simple? Complex? You tell me. <laughs> well, how much room does that leave for... Uh, dishonesty and uh, just flat out government robbery when no one is going to be able to read that whole thing. Uh, There are so many loopholes in there, and probably traps that people could fall into without even knowing they were supposedly breaking a tax law. Um, It's just, why does it have to be that complex? If honesty is at the center of that, why would it be that big? If if no one can read the whole thing, uh, it just makes you wonder why it's why, why do they have one like that? Is it to hide certain things and to maybe uh, hurt people even more? Well, that's a whole other like, career that doesn't need to exist, tax lawyers. Yeah. Because it's so complex that they
1: have. Somebody's got to get in there. Ten, The 1040 form, That's they call that the easy form, <laughs> 1040 easy. You download that bad boy, it has 105 pages of instructions. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the easy form. Uh, and that's just for your pretty, you know, if you had a, pretty basic tax situation. If it starts getting more complex and it goes from there, this is nearly 5,000 tax code changes were enacted between 2001 and 2012. So even if you thought you had it figured out, hang on because they are going to change something in the tax code and it just goes on and on and on. They've spent 8.9 billion hours complying with federal tax laws. So think about all the time that's been wasted, just trying to make sure you're in line with everything. I mean, you have to. I mean, obviously it's important to follow the law, but I'm just saying it's complex. 72% 72% of Americans qualify for free tax assistance, Four, 41 times uh, more likely to find error on a paper return. So doing it online might be better for you because mm. if you do it on paper, 41 times more likely to find an error. And uh, so it is it is interesting just to look at all the different numbers in relation to uh, the uh, taxes. The highest uh, marginal tax rate is 396 but even you know, even that, historically, they say, is pretty low. I mean, you can look at other countries and see what some of the taxes over the years. I mean, it's outrageous, some of the things. I mean, you basically give your life away in some cases um, because of man's different uh, tax uh,
0: situations
1: that they put people under.
0: Governments have proven themselves all too willing to take as much money as possible, and they're always creatively maneuvering to find a way to raise some other kind of tax or uh, just increase the taxes that already exist. Uh, it's not, that's not with serving the people in mind, people who can barely afford to pay their bills already. And then they get rocked by more taxes. Uh, there's not a whole lot of compassion there. not, not a whole lot of consideration for those people. Um, and that's why, uh, a future system where it's always 10% and you can always know it's not going to change 5,000 times in a number of years. Uh, it's going to be consistent. You can, you can actually plan your life better financially and it's not going to be a constant stress. And, uh, you know, when, like you mentioned earlier, people try to
1: evade their taxes or get around it in some way, uh, that is expensive, too. Tax evasion costs the federal government $458 billion a year. You know, we're talking about the budgets and everything, and there's so much debt, and they're always wanting to spend more and more. But if you just took the waste out of some of these uh, things that the government spends money on, um, how much more would we have? You'd probably, you could probably scrounge up an extra couple of trillion. I mean, you, you look at the headlines, and it always says record taxes collected, but then we've always spent more than we got in because whereas you know it's in some cases it's being spent for things that are important but in other cases it's being wasted or it has to be spent because people are trying to break the law so you got to you got to pay people to try to enforce the law that people are trying to break because there's this complex law and <laughs> people want to get away from it and so it's just amazing when uh you look at how complex it is when man tries to make laws and regulate things
0: yeah and it's almost like A tax increase is a guarantee that the government is going to spend more money, even though the government already doesn't have a balanced budget, hardly ever. I don't remember the last time it actually happened, Uh, but it doesn't happen much. It's an extreme rarity. At this point, we have so many programs that are so expensive that we have to constantly raise the taxes, but where does it end? If time went on long enough, how much of people's income would be taken to pay for all these things that shouldn't even be around at all? Yeah, it's
1: uh, amazing to think about. uh, This uh, write-up from pcog.org, How to Solve the World's Economic Catastrophe, finishes by saying this, man's laws, which are contrary to God's laws, have unexpected negative effects. Uh, But on the other hand, God's laws have unexpected positive effects. Just like our children can't always understand the reasons why we tell them to do this or avoid that, we won't always immediately understand the wisdom in God's law. But if we apply our hearts to do it, uh, meditate on it and do it. Then, over time, the understanding will come. Uh, Trust God and obey. It says, and you will discover many unforeseen purposes and hidden benefits to His perfect law of love. So, I mean, obviously, in the society, we are, we're all under the law of the society, and we should should follow that and pay our taxes and do all those things we need to do. However, uh, we should also consider tithing. You know, and if people don't know much about that or haven't done that, it is something to look into. It's biblical. And uh, it seems at first, I suppose, like this points out, well, then I'd have less money. But actually, when you obey God, it turns out you have more than you expected.
0: Yeah, it actually uh, is amazing the number of miracles you hear about with people who uh, maybe on on a physical level might not think there's much money to spare. And yet when they start tithing, when they start prioritizing their money God's way, there, it just seems like bonuses appear uh extra money comes out of nowhere almost to make up the difference. It is it is a matter of stepping out on faith and, and reprioritizing, but once you do that, it does it does make a huge difference in personal finance. Yeah, and there are plenty
1: of examples and promises in the Bible even where where God talks about just keeping things going longer. You know, maybe you don't have to have the car repair because maybe things work out better for you. There's plenty of examples, even when people didn't understand exactly all of the laws and, and didn't quite understand what, you know, God's plan and everything was, but they did see, okay, if the Bible says I'm supposed to tithe. I'm going to do this. Even in those cases, they were very much blessed for it. There's been a lot of stories like that. So, um, God does bless people for obeying him and, uh, and tithing is part of that. And eventually that's going to be the whole system for now. It's, it, there is a tax code and we do have to follow it, but I uh, also have to look into, uh, his word on tithing and follow that as well
0: yeah it's really going to be a great time and something we can always look forward to just uh, a better future regarding money but also regarding any other area you can think of yep so a really good write-up there uh and especially
1: because it is tax time so it's it's always tax time (laughs) (laughs) especially now it's tax time so make sure you check that out it's at uh, pcog.org how to solve the world's economic catastrophe Uh, Check out the Key David program and Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Those are coming up here just a bit on KPCG. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: You're listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.